The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate love with Bridget Sinclair, author of The Red Breast. Hello, Bridget. Welcome. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for inviting me on. It's lovely to be here. Oh, it's so lovely to have you. So I don't know. I've I've been skimming through the, the press materials for The Red Dress, and it's, I know it's right up my alley, but there's so many topics involved in it. Consciousness, love, meditation, like all of the things. And so how would you best describe the red dress? Well, Red Dress is a novel. That's the first thing, because I think a lot of books that are about meditation or healing and Reiki or therapy or consciousness or love and all of those things are normally nonfiction. So that's the first thing is it's a fiction. It's set in London and it's funny and lighthearted and it's serious in places it's sad in places there were bits when I was originally writing it where I worked I laughed out loud and bits where I cried not after all the edits you kind of lose it and you go what was I thinking of but um the, the main thing about it yes is that it, it is a novel but it encompasses all kinds of approaches to I guess consciousness and awakening and learning and for me that is around love because as we become more aware and more conscious we free up space for more love more love in our lives and, and it starts I think with loving ourselves and people think that's selfish but for me we've got to love ourselves first and when we love ourselves we can then start loving others radiating that love we give other people permission to love themselves and we get this ripple effect so the character in red dress um is kind of you know loosely based on myself and she's it's obviously fiction but it is based on myself so she's a 40 something i'm i'm a bit older than that but um she's a 40 something career mum who's stressed out and 
not very happy. Her life on the outside seems very successful. Um, she's got a, a thriving therapy practice. She's a therapist. Um, she works in Harley Street. She's got two beautiful kids who are teenagers. She's got the big house and the, has, the handsome husband. And she's got what society would say is success. So she then, on top of not really enjoying it and feeling that it's a bit of a hollow victory, and it's all beautiful on the outside and painful on the inside. So now she feels guilty that she doesn't actually uh, value what she has because she feels that she should be grateful for everything that she's got. And so she's lost herself. She's completely lost herself. And she's kind of beating herself up because she's going, well, I should be grateful. You know, I've got so much that other people would love. And what's wrong with me? Um, and that sets in motion a whole series of events. Um, I don't think I'm giving too much away by saying that in the first chapter of Red Dress, she meditates, by the way, she's a regular meditator. And I myself meditate and think it's probably the most powerful tool of all the different ones I have on all kinds of levels and I would just uh, encourage everybody in the world to find a way that suits them to meditate and just be in stillness. But she's meditating one day and she realises things are going wrong and she decides to go and have some therapy sessions with her supervisor. I don't know about in America, but in England, if you practice as a hypnotherapist or psychotherapist, you have to have a, a supervisor. So she goes along and she decides to have some personal sessions with him, not just about her clients. And then that evening she's meditating and she just suddenly on a whim without even thinking about it, um, decides to hand over to God, hand her life over to God. And she almost doesn't believe it. She doesn't even believe in God. And um, she thinks God's a bit of an outmoded um, word anyway, because she's spiritual and, uh, you know, not religious. Um, and she thinks, let's see if he does anything. And of course, it sets in motion a whole series of events. And she ends up um, not only going through her own therapy to look at what's what's been going on in her life, what's brought her to where she is, um, but and we, we see that through the therapy session she has with her supervisor, but she also embarks on a spiritual journey. So she gets to know a whole gang of new people, her kind of soul family, if you like, people she relates to. And she starts to find out what matters to her, who she is. And she's seen as a bit woo woo and a bit kooky. And um, she's She's kind of like, she, she's, she's quite um, cautious about the journey. She takes it with trepidation because she's worried about what other people are going to think, you know. What are the book club mums going to think? What are all the smart mums uh, in, the, in the street going to think of her, um, you know, going on this wild and wacky spiritual journey? But um, so she kind of takes the journey for us. You know, all the things that we fear to face, she's facing them. And... Um, She's, she goes on this whole entire journey, which changes her life and brings her back to herself. So that's really um, what Red Dress is about. But I, I wanted to um, get over a lot of wisdom and a lot of techniques and uh, things that people can use to help themselves to make their own lives better. Um, she's a Reiki healer, as I've noticed on your thing that you're Reiki as well. So she, she's a Reiki healer and she's starting to use all of these techniques for herself and as for others. Her clients are mirroring her as well. So she starts to understand more about herself and what, how she's dealing with clients. But it's funny and it's fun and it gets wisdom out there in a, an accessible, fun way. You know? So that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, well, I love that because... Um... You know, fiction, works of fiction, works of story, well, true. 
amazing truths, right? More so that we can, and we connect more so with the fiction than sometimes, you know, reading a nonfiction book or watching a documentary that we see ourselves. And it sounds really like, like you are Kate. Kate is you. In some way, Casey, yeah, Casey, she doesn't mind being called Kate. She doesn't like being called Kitty Cat, which is what her husband calls her. But um, she's Catherine, but she's Casey. She's Kate as well. I just want to just pick up what you're saying about metaphor and story. It was something that I used to use um, quite often within my therapy practices to work with metaphor and story. It's a very, very powerful way of working. So I absolutely agree with you there. Um, Yeah. So am I, am I Katie as Katie me? And the answer is not really. And yes, you know, it's both. She's a little bit of me. Um, There are parts of me that are her, but she is very much um, on the beginning of the spiritual journey. Um, So in a sense, she's a little little bit of me 30 years ago when I started off that journey, a little bit of me 10 years ago as a therapist, a little bit of me now is a bit wiser. But really within the the novel Red Dress, there's also, she has a best friend called Shanti, who's half Indian, who runs an alternative shop that sells crystals and things like that. And and Shanti sort of is very quietly spoken and introvert, and she she sort of knows everything about anything spiritual. And so, in many ways, I'm Shanti as well. And then she's also got her her supervisor, who's a guy called Terry, who's a very straight, you know, um, psychotherapist, who's kind of you know reflecting to her. And you know, parts of me are Terry. And then within the novel Red Dress, there's also a voice, a benevolent voice that's guiding her. And it's sharing these incredible wisdoms with her. And, of course, I'm also the voice. So I don't – although there's there's a lot of me in Katie, uh, she's not completely me. And there's a lot of me in other characters in the novel as well. So I love it. Well, um, you share so much with Katie, and I'm sure you share so much with all of the other characters as well, being a psychotherapist being a healer and being a professional therapist, also a hypnotherapist. Um, That is fascinating because I do hypnotherapy as well. And uh, what type of hypnotherapy do you do, if I may ask? Um, Well, I trained with lots of different people in lots of different ways. Interesting, because I know you did the Dolores Cannon uh, technique. And I had a very, yeah, I had a very good friend who um, used to work with that. And I've been the client on the receiving end of that. And uh, lots of similar things, Um, working with the subconscious, taking into a deep theater state, um, regression to this life, regression to past lives, um, working with the wise self, working with parts therapies and archetypes um so i did a lot of different training with different people i trained at brighton university with um an outfit called uncommon knowledge which was very much um ericksonian therapy ericksonian hypnotherapy conversational and stories led and suggestion and positive uh future pacing and very nlp-ish that kind of thing and then i thought no this isn't working for me so i went and trained in kind of past life regression and then i trained with valerie austin in austin technique as well and um, along the way, I'm also a psychotherapist and I've also worked with a lot of trauma techniques. So what I love to do um, is to get to immerse myself completely in that technique, to know it thoroughly. And then I'll start taking and weaving. But you have to know what you're doing before you weave. 
So you have to kind of know how this thing works inside out. And then you can go, okay, I can put this in here, and I can put this in here, and I can put this in here. I think it's a bit like playing jazz piano. You've got to learn your scales first and learn all your pieces, and then you can improvise. So uh, towards the end of um, my journey um, as a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, and healer, and actually psychotherapy was going further and further away because the techniques we can use in hypnotherapy and um, and other modern techniques as well are, are fantastic. They're fast, you know, and they get people somewhere, and they fix things, and they resolve things beautifully and um what's the point in sitting there talking about stuff when you can get there and fix it so that was uh, that was where i kind of got to towards the end was very much merging lots and lots of different trainings and also working with the client because each client has a different presentation even if you had 10 clients who had depression they've all got depression for a different reason they're all absolutely unique and not one size fits all so yeah that's how i worked Oh, that's amazing. And you also bring yoga into your practice as well. Yeah, I, I used to teach yoga as well, sort of just part time. And I was a, used to use, be doing yoga, sorry, use yoga. I don't know what, practice yoga every day. I absolutely love and adore yoga. Unfortunately, I got quite sick um, after I'd moved here. I burned out and then I kind of went through menopause and then I didn't really know what was going on with me. And it turned out it was to do with um, environmental stuff like Wi-Fi and heavy metals and toxins and molds and stuff. And I had to get it out of my system. So for a long time, I was sick. Then I broke my wrist. And so there was these... Ex- these excuses and excuses, I can't do yoga, I can't do yoga. Just got back into my yoga practice now and I'm loving it. So um, I, I really love yoga and I think it's a very powerful technique for aligning mind, body and spirit. It's the one thing that switches off my mind because I've got one of those minds, you know. Uh, meditation does as well, but yoga puts me in my body and I get fully present with it. So I love it. And I think once you get to a point with yoga where you know it well enough, you don't have to go to yoga class. You can just put your, and I'm very blessed where I live. I can put my yoga mat with a view of the ocean and, um, and put some beautiful music on, light a candle, set an intention, lie on that mat. And then you go with what flow, with what your body wants to do. Gentle, it's gorgeous. And it's uh, really um, powerful to go back to the roots of yoga, which is union. And, and that union and that being, being able to sit in posture and work with energetically as well, work with chakras, work with meridians. I love it. Yeah. Oh, right. Because yoga really is a spiritual practice. It's not just a, an exercise. Absolutely. And I think that's where some things have gone a little bit astray in recent years that people see it as like a bit of a gym bunny thing. It's an exercise thing. And it's not. It's a spiritual practice. Even if, you just, right. even if you just lie on your mat in Shavasana with your eyes closed breathing, that's, a, that's still yoga and that's a spiritual practice. Well, and I should mention you you had uh, talked about moving there and you've got this beautiful view of the ocean all sides. You're in South Africa. I am in South Africa. I'm in Cape Town, in South Africa. Right. Yeah. To me, being a Missouri girl um, seems so exotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did to me being a London girl. Um <laughs> Uh, do you know what I was intuitively guided to come here it's quite a a story about how I came here and um 
I, I did a training and, and how to really tap into intuition um, at will, if you like, and to work with that and to create with that. And in fact, I've taken a lot of that and I now put that into my own training that out there, taken strands of it, again, weaving, weaving to create the bone circle. But um, so I was intuitively guided to come to South Africa. Now, I'd never been to South Africa in my life. I'd never been to Cape Town. And uh, at first, I thought it was going to be a holiday. And you must know what this is like when you're a, you're a hypnotherapist or you, you run your own business and you, you've got to put stop time in the diary. Otherwise, you never take any time out. Hey, you just keep working. So I put some time out in the diary and um, I realized it was going to be kind of July time. It's going to be winter here. So that's no good. So I decided to move that to end of September, beginning of October, which is spring here. So I thought, okay, well, I'll go for three weeks. I'll, I'll need three weeks off. I'm burning out. I'm really, really busy. All kinds of things had happened to me, um, like acrimonious divorces and looking after uh, teenage children getting them into university the usual stuff and um, I thought no I'll go and I'll rest on a beach for three weeks and as this it was a, a nine-month training and as the training evolved it became more and more obvious um, that really I needed to just rent out my flat in London and and move here and I thought that's a bit scary you know well I've got to test this stuff you've got to listen to the voice um, and let's see if this works so I rented out my flat for a year but I had an eight, a six-month break clause so that I could actually, you know, go back after six months if it hadn't worked out. And I, I arrived and I thought, OK, I'll go back to England for Christmas um, to see my family and um, my, my family and my friends and my kids and my mum and dad and stuff. I'll go back. And if I'm, if I'm not really enjoying Cape Town, then I'll just travel for four months and then I'll go back into my flat and I'll go back into my practice. Well, by the time I went back to England, which was Christmas 2012, so it's actually solstice 2012, how auspicious is that? Mm-hmm. I just knew I wanted to live in South Africa, and um, and so I came back, and I haven't looked back, and I'm now married to South Africa, and I've built a house here. I've been here nine years. I love it. I absolutely love it. It is a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. It's mountains and ocean and forests and it's absolutely stunning white sandy beaches and the ocean's cold it's it's the it's the atlantic it's rolling straight off of antarctica but it's it's stunningly beautiful here it's really lovely beautiful you're so blessed Mm. to be able to be in a such a lovely place absolutely Um, blessed i count my blessings every day i in great gratitude Oh my goodness. What a wonderful story of getting there too. It does sound divinely guided, doesn't it? Absolutely. Because there is a higher guidance in everybody's life that is divinely allowing, uh, guiding their life if they allow it themselves to receive that and allow it to unfold. And that really weaves back into red dress because that's what's happening to Katie. (laughs) She's being guided by a higher force. Absolutely. And she turns her life over to that force, doesn't she? She turns it over without even really understanding that she's done it. But then what happens is all kinds of coincidences happen and she meets particular people and she does particular um, techniques or approaches that are always just put, taking her further and further along that path. Mm-hmm. Well, she does. There are a variety of forces at play in this book. I mean, channeling, numerology, signs from the universe, Alan Watts, Orso. I mean, so many different things are 
in this story. Can you yes. <laughs> talk a bit about how you weave all of these various things into a narrative? Ah, that's a, a really brilliant question. Uh, the real answer is I don't know. It happens, doesn't it? I think when you're, cre- when you're in the creative process, you choose what you want to create and you hold that vision. You know, whether you're cooking a, a supper for somebody or you're, you're doing a session with somebody or you're, you're doing something in your garden or you're baking a cake, whatever it is that or we're doing a painting or playing a piece of music, whatever we're doing creatively, we kind of know vaguely what we want to create. Um, and then there's a serendipitous process that takes place. Um, it's not as easy as that because there's obviously hard work and you have to sit in front of the computer and type every day and write every day and then edit and polish and learn and grow. But the, how it happened really was just starting with the premise of this um, lady, Katie, who has everything that most people want and is not actually happy, then feels guilty for feeling unhappy. And it's it's her finding herself. I mean, the book Red Dress can be read on different levels because, yes, it has got all those things you've talked about. And in a way, it's an awakening to a spiritual life because there is aura soma, there is hypnotherapy, there's Reiki, there's meditation, there's yoga, there's uh, mantras, there's vibrations. At one point, she's talking about um, Nikola Tesla. It's actually Shanti, her friend, says, oh, have you heard of Nikola? Uh, you know what Nikola Tesla says? And she goes, who's she? That another therapist that you want me to go to? Because she's a she's not. And um, so this is why I said it's funny in places, but it, it starts to include all these things. And it's because I took that, that initial premise of the woman Go, taking a spiritual journey of awakening to find who she is. And so it was quite easy to then weave in um, a lot of these things. And of course, a lot of those things have been in my life. I've had, I have had an Orosoma consultation and along my path, spiritual path of 30 years, I have done Reiki. I am a Reiki master. I have meditated. I did do yoga. I still do do yoga. got back into it now. Um, so a lot of these things are wisdom teachings that I, I've delved into or taught. And so it was easy to weave them into her journey. And then you get those inspirations as you're writing, which invariably for me would be to rewrite it. I'd be writing Red Dress and I'd get to the end of a chapter, say, and I'd think, okay, well, I'm going to go for a walk now. And it's always when you go for the walk or you're in the shower or you're sitting at the, at the, at the lights, you know, or whatever, you know, in the car, that the inspiration comes and you suddenly go, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get her to do this. And it's immense fun to be an author because you can basically, as long as it fits within the structure of the story and the plot points and it's interesting and you don't lose your reader and you make it believable for the character you can basically get that character to do whatever they want so that's how I managed to weave in so much and I wanted to do that because I wanted to to almost be a primer or a taster for people who are maybe dipping their toes into the world of the alternative because a lot more and more people are waking up and doing that and maybe if it starts off as a fun read because red dress can be read just as a story of a of a stressed out mother who has a few kooky friends and goes a bit woo woo. You can look at it that that level, or you can look at the relationships. There's a lot of relationship dynamics in it, um, and you can look at that as the search for self and the relationship with herself, the relationship she has with her husband, with her children. Um, you can look at it as a healing, her healing the past 
and creating a future. Um, or you can look at it as this spiritual awakening. So there's, a, there's lots of levels and there's lots in it. But my desire, if you like, is for people to just enjoy it and have fun with it and enjoy reading it. And if, if, if everybody reads it, if they get one small thing from reading Red Dress, I will be delighted. It will be glorious. Absolutely. You know, and something about this book reminds me so much of Maggie Whitehouse's book, The Blue Panda, or Tales of the Blue Panda. She was also on this podcast. And just the the idea um, of the, the trope in narrative of the rube, of the innocent, of the person on this path, on this journey, and they can play the innocent. And playing the innocent, we can introduce all of these truths. Rather like, uh, you know, even the the, um, the fool in King Lear and can tell certain truths because they're the they're the innocent. They're the they're the uninformed. And so we can you can weave anything into that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm going to have to read the, the Blue Panda now and have a look at your podcast. But uh, cause it sounds really interesting. Um, innocence, I think, is so un- misunderstood. Um Because people think innocence is naivety, but it's not. Um, If you actually break down the word innocence, it's in no sense, not trying to make sense of anything. Because what we are conditioned, we're deeply conditioned, as you know, we're deeply conditioned. So we overlay our projections and perceptions onto everything. So we never look at anything. I'm going to pick up my glass of water. Oh, it's a glass of water. Oh, it's in a hundred thousands of those. So you're never looking at that fresh. Because you're seeing it through the prism of your um, programming, your conditioning, your perspective and everything that's happening, not just in this life, as you know, soul's journey. But when you go into a space of innocence, you're not trying to make sense of it, you're observing it. And um, that can be a very, very, very powerful place. Absolutely. You can look at it fresh. I love that. And, you know, you've got the chops as a, a psychotherapist. That you understand these things in a different way and can really present them. So I, we've probably you know covered this, but I want to hear in so many words. Like, as a psychotherapist, why did you choose this form of writing, the novel approach, the fiction approach? Wonderful question. Um, so having trained intuitively um I, I work very much with the idea and notion that the we kind of have the small ego self which is the conditioned self um and we also have a greatness or a greater self which is our luminous self the soul self you know and um often the the the, the smaller self wants to keep us safe you know it's, it, it wants to keep us safe in the world and it wants to keep us small and if it had been up to my smaller self I would not have written a novel I would have written I probably wouldn't have even written a book let's face it Um, but I was being guided and guided and guided and we have to listen to guidance this is the biggest lesson really and so many women have got that intuitive voice within and don't listen and it's 
how many times have people been driving the car and the voice has gone, turn right, and you go, no, no, that's the long way round. I'm going straight on, and you go straight on, and there's a car accident, you can't get through, and you're late for work, and you go, wow, why didn't I listen to that voice and turn right? And we've got to learn to listen to this voice because we all have that intuitive voice. So, yeah, my, my intuitive voice was telling me over and over and over, you're going to write a book, and this has also been confirmed by friends and people around me. Oh, yeah, you've got to write a book. And I, if I had been up to the small self, I would have written, you know, uh, I don't know, seven spiritual steps to awakening or something like that. Or uh, something, you know, that would probably be a nice book. And if interestingly, I probably will end up writing a book called The Bone Circle, which will be a nonfiction and a factual book. Um, but that's not what I was guided to write. So uh, every time I went into meditation, every time I got in touch with my intuition, every time I tuned into that, every time I sat with it, I got, no, you're going to write a novel. And my response from the small self was, are you kidding me? I don't know anything about writing a novel. I'm a psychotherapist, not a writer. You know, so it was kind of like quite scary. And in the end, I thought, no, I'm being pushed to do this and I have to, I have to do this. And, um, and so that's how it started. And it started with me going into a, a deep meditative state and connecting with my own intuition and my own greater self. And then I literally opened my eyes and started writing. Now, what was written at then was sort of drivel, um, but it was kind of like it started off as set in London. She's a therapist. I was thinking, no, this is, this is too close to home. Support for the Radiate Wellness Podcast is made possible in part by listeners like you. Would you like to support this podcast? Visit radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast for more information. So, yeah, the writing process for Red Dress sort of went, you know, you've got to write a novel, are you kidding? And then eventually I said, okay. And it was, it was winter here and it was raining and it was freezing. And uh, I wasn't living here. I was living in a, a rented place. And um, so I sat there, you know, with blankets on and fingerless gloves and went into meditation and connected with my greater self, connected with my intuition, opened my eyes and literally started typing. And um, it started off and the setting was London and it was a therapist and I was thinking ah oh, this is a bit too close to home but the voice inside was going no just keep going just keep going just keep going so I did and it took me a couple of years to finish that manuscript but at the end of it uh that's not really how you write a novel you've got to look at um plot points and structure and you've got to look at characterization and yeah. there's all kinds of ways uh things and methods and you know things that I had to learn about writing a, a, a fiction and a novel so it was then kind of back to the drawing board to learn how to um put plot points in place and how fiction is written and look at the structure of fiction to then completely take that story that was written intuitively and turn it into something that was exciting and accessible and you know, entertaining and that you would want to read and get to the end of so there was another whole process involved oh absolutely yeah. and you've you've gotten some wonderful reviews so far i have i'm very blessed um i, I think it depends on on the reader red dress as I said, it can be taken at different levels, but ultimately there is quite a bit of spiritual 
content in there. Um, and anybody who's even a little bit open to that will enjoy it. People like yourself who, who are really, as you said, it's up your alley. You're going to just love it because you'll get all the in-jokes as well, you know, because there's some quite funny bits there, like the Nikola Tesla. Um, but I think there's uh, possibly one or two people who really, really don't believe in God, really don't believe in anything spiritual, don't believe in anything that's soul or, you know, all there is is life and then you die. Those kinds of people are probably not going to maybe rate it quite as well or give it such a good review. Um, but if you if the people who've um, given Red Dress a wonderful review have really enjoyed the spiritual aspects, which is what I wrote it for. So I'm happy with that. You know, it's my hope, Bridget, that someone who's just got a toe in the water or maybe just like a crack in the door, that this book will open up things for them, open up doors and really shine a light on some things, some truths that they maybe weren't looking at and but maybe need to. So hopefully your book can can open things up for some people that would enjoy it and would open up to a bigger, greater aspect of their life. So maybe- Totally, totally. That's really um, one of my motivations for writing it was to make it accessible and fun for those people who are just dipping the toe in, just maybe going and having acupuncture or reflexology or maybe thinking there's something more, um, but have been afraid to take that journey. Those, I hope that absolutely sincerely that reading Red Dress opens that door for them and enables them to have the courage to continue on that journey. Absolutely. So, um, it says here in your in your materials, Bridget's intention is to awaken people to a higher purpose and a more joyful and harmonious life. She does this through creating awareness, providing a higher path of consciousness, teaching how to tap into intuitive wisdom, and setting up support groups that can work together powerfully to create positive change. Her favorite saying, I love this quote, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, if you want to go far, go together. And so I I believe that is so much of it. And I do want to talk a bit about these groups that you have formed. There's um, a study on uh, the Keys of Enoch and uh, the Book of Knowledge. So how long yeah. have you been doing these study groups? Well, Book of Knowledge, the keys, the keys of Enoch, the Book of Knowledge, the Keys of Enoch is, is one book. Um, oh, got so it with me. I normally have it with me, but it's actually in my other office. Um, it's written by Dr. J.J. Hertak, um, and it was written in 1973. I came to the, I call it a teaching rather than a book because it's, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. And I came to it, I think it was around 2006, 2007. So sort of 14, 15 years I've been studying um, this teaching and I love it. It's very uplifting. It's very positive. It sets out a vast cosmology it explains it's future science so it, it explains um the science of spirituality and ha- what things what we need to be equipped to go on into the future it's about awakening consciousness the keys are opening the locks within our consciousness mind um, it's written on many levels it's multi-dimensional so every time you go back to something if you've studied it already there are 54 keys in that original book and then there are new keys coming out but when you and they're each keys to future science and each time you 
study one of those keys you think you've just about got there it's quite dense to understand it's you know you have to go to a study group really um and then when you look at it again maybe a few years later you go oh no there's a completely different understanding of it um i absolutely love and adore it so i've been studying as i said for about 14, 15 years. I'm a baby to, you know, there's people who've been studying 30, 35 years um, that I'm sort of involved with. And I've been teaching, well, just before I left London, I started teaching. So I've been teaching for about 10 years, nine years properly. And now I, I teach a study group every Tuesday evening. And I'm also, but the, 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 the keys is part of the Academy for Future Science. So there's other texts that we study. So I'm also, um, hold a space for a study group on one of the Nag Hammadi um, texts, scrolls, which is the Pistis Sophia, which is wonderful, because that's the personification of faith and wisdom, and she's a, she's she's the divine feminine. Oh, and that's a few beautiful study, so I'm also doing that, yeah. Oh, that sounds it's my main thing. Nowadays, that's my main... I mean, I, obviously, I still do yoga, and I still meditate, um, but and I teach uh, a lot of intuition and, and, and that sort of thing. But for my own personal study, everything else is like, it's just keys of Enoch. I love it. Oh, that is so wonderful. And then yeah. you've also designed the bone circle. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, the bone circle is, I'm just in the process of upgrading it. So it's going to be even more amazing. But it basically I wove it together um, about three years ago. What happened is I had a friend. I had actually had a couple of friends who their lives were not really working out, and I could see why. (laughs) And I'd moved from, I'd moved away from therapy when I left England. I kind of go, okay, my life as a therapist and therapist. Obviously, I still see the odd client, and I, I have done the odd bit of work, but I don't really do that now. I'm a spiritual teacher and an author. But I did do a little bit of intuitive coaching with people to try and get people to let go of things from the past, heal the past, solve things, reorient themselves towards the future and reorient themselves away from reacting to situations into creating what they'd love. It's all about love. He says, create what you love. And that ripples out. Anyway, I could see that these two girls really, really needed this work. But they, there's no way they could afford me because <laughs> South Africans don't earn quite as much as uh, English people. And I'd been a Harley Street therapist. So my fees were completely inaccessible to somebody in South Africa. And I was happy to cut that fee for them to afford to use me. Oh, not use me, but work with me. But unfortunately, neither of them had any money. <laughs> so they had no resources. They really had no resources. One was a single mother looking after two children and holding down a full-time job. So I was sitting in a cafe with her one day and I said, you know what, you really need to come and do the coaching with me, but I know you can't afford it. And then I had this idea on the way home that there's two people that I thought that about. And if I could get 10 people together, they could cover my coaching fee and I would teach them all together. Anyway, that's how it started, but it ended up becoming so much more, as these things always do. Again, serendipitous, intuitive stuff. I ended up getting 15 women the first time I taught it um, who wanted to come and do this work with me. And then I realized, I need to go deeper with this, and I need to bring in the divine feminine, and I want it to be a circle because I want people to support and help each other because it's hard. It takes courage to look at your stuff 
It takes courage to go on that journey and you need your your tribe around you to help you. So I really, really wanted it to be a collective thing and teamwork together. We go far. And then I thought, "Mm, yeah, but there's things that get in people's way. And I know some techniques that can actually help them with that. So let's just pull in some of the therapy stuff that I know. And then there was, um, uh, okay, well, I also want to make this sacred. So let's pull in some of the metaphysical things I know. So it ended up becoming this kind of... uh, weaving together weaving together is one of my favorite things you know I can tell you weave 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 and I think we make things very strong it's like a tapestry um so it was a weaving together of my wisdom if you like of years of being a a therapist and a healer and I always call myself a therapist because I don't really work that much with psychotherapy much more modern techniques but the the training's there um so it's the years of working as a therapist and understanding the psyche understanding the enneagram understanding past conditioning all sorts of stuff so it was that um, and bringing in some of those techniques to help people to release themselves from the past and then the um the, the metaphysical work was much more sort of um, you know, standing in circle to open the circle at the beginning, um, creating sacred space, you know, using candles and sage and having people dance to music at the beginning to get into their bodies and express themselves. There was things like working with sacred divine names and sacred mantras. I would sing sacred mantras and things like that at the beginning to raise the vibration. And we'd call in. So a lot of times we'd call in, you know, um, Archangel Michael to protect you if you were on a shamanic journey. And so it it was it was starting to bring in a lot of metaphysical things and uh, and also stillness and um, guided meditations, which as you know is very similar to hypnosis and um, and even a bit of hypnosis and hypnotic language in places you know because people get resistant so you can start using a bit of hip, hypnotic language. So there was that and then the, but the core of it really was about creating intuitively. So um, the the core of it works on what at the time I called premises, but I'm, I'm actually going to change it because I want to simplify the whole thing because I really, really believe this should be accessible to anybody, uh, not only financially, but um, on an intellectual level. So the thing was becoming very complicated and I wanted to really, really simplify it. So it works on what I now call truth bombs. And um, so the truth bombs are the sort of structure that holds the bone circle. And it's one of the truth bombs is, for example, that we're all powerful creators. We are all powerful creators and we are all whole and complete. We are not damaged. Um, So it works on that's one of the truth bombs. And but we can also say, yeah, but some people are creating really difficult situations and challenges for themselves. So how about if we consciously create? Um, How about if we powerfully create, but we're conscious of what we're creating? And if we do create something that's actually a challenge, just let's see the opportunity in that to grow. What's the opportunity? What are we here to learn? What are we here to release and let go of? Um, So all of these different truth bombs come into play and we learn each and every one and how they work. And in fact, I've restructured now the bone circle so that it goes in stages. So the the very first, there's an introduction that everybody needs to do to just get their head around how it works because it's so different um, and then there's sort of a basic one and the basic one is just look hey you're a powerful creator you have a small conditioned self which is doing its best to keep you safe and we're not to get rid of that um, 
because we actually need it. It's our vehicle of orientation in the world. It's that it's the, the body suit that we're here in, you know, that holds the spirit. But we also have this pure luminous spirit, this creative spirit, um, which you might say is the subconscious, or you might say is soul or higher self or wise self or greater self. And that is here for a purpose and it's here to do things and it's here to create and it's got skills and talents and it wants to do things and the small self stops it and we sabotage ourselves all the time because we're afraid. So it's about, the, so the very first basics of the bone circle is learning that, that you've got these two aspects of self. It doesn't mean that you're divided or schizophrenic, it just means you've got two aspects of self, which kind of goes back to what Eckhart Tolle says, isn't it, when he goes, well, who is the I that's observing, the one that's depressed? So it's understanding you've got these two aspects of self and understanding and recognising which one you're coming from. Like that story of the two wolves, you know. <laughs> so it's like, which one do you feed? You know. Um, so that's that's. It's very difficult to kind of package the bone circle into something very easy to explain. But it's essentially about creating your life purposefully, according to your soul's purpose. What are you here to do? What is it you love? What would you love to create? What are you good at doing? What are you passionate about? And what's stopping you? And that's where the therapy bit comes in, because that's what stops us. So it's about releasing what's stopping us and um, learning to tune into intuition and create that, that life that we love. And it's all the tools you need to be able to do that. And you work collectively with your um, fellowship. At the moment, it's, it, up until now, it's only been open to women. So it was always your bone sisters, your sisterhood. Um, but we're going to get the brothers in as well, because I think it's, we need the balance, quite frankly. And uh, why should we just limit it to women? So Absolutely. And what is, what is bone refer to okay so uh it's there's many many levels of bone the bone circle i mean first of all if we think about when you take things back to the bare bones and the bones always remain and we can even get dna from our bones the bones are the last thing to go they're, they're really who we are um and also if we think about shamans in Africa, they, they throw the bones to predict and use intuition. But we've also got the bones of the structure, aren't they, that hold the flesh together. They're the structure underneath. Um, so there's a lot of structure. I work a lot with structures. Um, like everything in your life is a structure. Your relationship is a structure. The work you do is a structure. Where you live is a structure. So I always sort of explain it like this, that I live in Cape Town and the structure of Cape Town is completely different to the structure of London. So I can go walking on the beach because I live in Cape Town. I can't go walking on the beach in London because the structure doesn't support it. So uh, there's a lot of things about structure and the bones are about structure. And it's about getting back to the bare bones and the bones of who you are. And you feel it in your bones when you feel intuition. So I uh, actually worked with my daughter who's wonderfully creative around um, creating intuitively the name of the bone circle and it was just resonated you know when something has a ring to it it resonated and I loved it and um, then afterwards one of the books that I recommended that they read the women that were doing the training with me read was women who run with the wolves and I thought I better just dip back into this text I haven't read it for years and I and it goes on and on about the bones and the <laughs> digging in the for the bones and I think oh my goodness is this confirmation that I've got the right 
the right uh, name for the bone circle. So, and it absolutely resonates and works. So that's why it's the bone circle. I suspected as much, but I wanted to hear it from you directly. And that absolutely makes sense. Now, you also have a blog. Can you talk a bit about your blog? Yeah, I can. Um, I need to get back to my blog. I've been kind of writing Red Dress, and I'm also about a third of the way through the sequel of Red Dress. And there's a there's a trilogy, so there's a third book, and there's a fourth fiction, uh, non-fiction I need to write. So my writing time is being taken up with books, and now, of course, um, promoting Red Dress. So the blog, I have to be honest and put my hand up, it's out of date. Um, I think the last post was about five years ago, but um, it's it's called Love is the Way. And it's really... We called this Radiate Love today. Where would that radiate Love, all about love. Um, so, and it's really... A, a lot of personal musings and what I found was I just thinking oh this is just my personal story I'll just write about that you know because you say you know write about what do you know write about what interests you and that's all I was doing was observing and writing and then people were saying hey that I really relate to that I really resonate with that and so we're really enjoying the blog there's one that I wrote five years ago actually about the menopause which is everybody's now suddenly starting to talk about it and going oh my god this is amazing we are experiencing exactly this this is amazing but it really is I only write that blog when I get inspired I'll get inspired to comment on something Um, maybe at the moment I'm quite passionate about the rise of the feminine and the rise of women and and what it is to work with the feminine archetype which is all about you know connection and nurturing and supporting and caring and compassion and uh, creating and wisdom and all kinds of uh, wonderful aspects of the divine feminine which I feel a lot of people have um, negated or, or, or rejected because it's not fashionable you know to, to, to like those kinds of things um, but I think it needs to come back and it's coming back and this is where the world is going again if you want to go far go together and to go together you have to have teamwork and to have teamwork you have to understand and have intuition and um, be able to tune into different people and um, be able to be open and support each other and so I'm quite passionate about that and if I had time I think that's what I would be right writing right now um, about how there are powerful women out there doing incredible things. You're one of them, Christy. And uh, it's beautiful to see them. And we're waking up. Women are waking up to, to, to embracing themselves and doing powerful things. And that together we rise and it's time. So that's what I actually, if I had a bit of spare time to my life, I'd kind of write that right now. But I will get back into blogging at some point. But Oh, Please take a look because they're, they're not long, boring, drudgy things. They're nice little short uh, pieces, and I think you'll enjoy them. And there's quite a bit out there, quite a bit for us to read. And we can find all of that about the Love is the Way blog, the Bone Circle, your books, um, even media and events and news and views at Bridget Finclair, F I N K L A I R E dot which is your website. Is there anything else you think that we should know that we haven't talked about, that we haven't covered, that you wanted to mention? 
goodness, I don't know, just that the that Red Dress is being launched in America on the 1st of August this year. Um, you'll be able to buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere that books are sold, really, and or you can go to John Hunt Publishing's website, then it's there. Please do take a look. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. It's a fun read. It's entertaining, and there's a lot of wisdom in there as well. And my 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 wish really is for that book to go out so that people can awaken um, to open that door, as you said earlier. So please do sign up for my newsletter as well. Uh, it's not one of those big, long, frequent newsletters I write when I'm inspired, but you will get book news and book launch news. And if I'm doing any readings, I probably have to be online with the current lockdown situations. Um, but if you want to hear some of that or follow me on uh, any social media Bridget Finclair is an unusual name. You'll find me. But please go to my website and sign up for book news, uh, signings, all of those things. Exciting. I'm so thrilled for the launch of your book. It's a fun read. So much involved in it. You're absolutely delightful to talk to, Bridget. Thank you so much for sitting down to talk with me. I appreciate it. It's my absolute pleasure. It's been delightful. Thank you, Christy. You're wonderful. It's been a wonderful host. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.